You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Welcome to Elsers, a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me is Corey Scott. And real quick, before we go, for all info on the show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, go to gncasts.com. And on Elsnerds, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and we will swear liberally. You have been warned. Like KFC in the (sighs) UK, we are back and we're bringing you buckets full of regret. (laughs) Did the chicken actually make it over there? <laughs> I, I don't know that the chicken ever made it, and that's kind of the sick, sad truth of it. All. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because it's it's honestly it, that's a, that was a funny thing I heard. I'm like, wait, really? We like okay, so KFCs are shutting down because they ran out of chicken, and then oh, because FedEx fucked up. What? Come on! <laughs> the, FedEx was doing everybody a favor. They Brexited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why did the Why did the chicken cross the Thames? <laughs> the times. for your own goddamn good. Yes. So, Corey, how you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you, Gregor? I'm doing pretty good. Um, yeah, we move things around because of work reasons that I am not allowed to go into. Because, as a full disclosure, I work for Target, and yeah, that's about it. Um, but yeah. So before we get into the news, I have some headlines that don't have a lot of stuff really meat to the bone so but but they're worthy enough to mention they're popcorn stories yes the first thing is dc films taps Chantel nyong for key production role she is basically going to be the the kevin feige of this universe and she will report to walter hamada who is the who was named the guy in charge of DC Film Group back in January. It, it's um, funny that you say that she'll be the Kevin Feige uh, when actually I think it's closer to a uh, a Paramount thing, which is all of these people who come in to run the DC Film Universe should be more akin to red shirts. Yeah. Um, the next bit, Chris Samney to leave Marvel with Captain, Mar- uh, Captain America number 700. Almost did the A Freudian slip of Captain Marvel number 700. Big, the big thing on this is he has been working with Marvel for 10 years. He will look to pursue other opportunities, though he didn't say whether that would include work for hire or creator-owned work. The He, he spent, said something, he's got a project that he's super excited about, yeah. and people are, are kind of thinking, does super relate to, could he possibly be going over to DC to work with Bendis on the Superman title? Yeah. And but that's, that's I, a stretch, but it's... Yeah, and and honestly, I look at this, and he is one of those guys over at Marvel that I love his art style because it is not the boilerplate, like looking like everyone else's art style. He is over there. He's worked a lot with Mark Wade, uh, Matthew Wilson, and Joe Joe Carmenanga. Mangana. I'm sorry, that dude's last name. Whatever. Um, he's done two volumes of Daredevil beginning in 2012. He's won an Eisner Award in 2013 for best uh, ink, best penciler slash inker. And he's also did the uh, Black Widow series back in 2016 that he co-wrote with Mark Wade. Yeah, he's definitely, I mean, over that 10 years, he's established himself as a as a very big name 
in the comics industry and it's it's a loss for marvel to yeah now there's there's a lot of back and forth these people spin out their contracts and go to the work for someplace else or do their own creator on stuff for a while and then they wind up coming back eventually uh usually and and it's it's fine you know it's it's not a huge industry so it's okay to kind of like jump back and forth to to find your best career and best pursuits and try out new characters that you wouldn't get to work on otherwise yeah the next bit is Venom is getting a new creative team along with a new number one. This and the next story will tie into our else words later on. And that is the, the Venom creative team is Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. Donny Cates worked on God Country, Doctor Strange, Thanos, and Ryan Stegman worked on Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, um, Uncanny Avengers. And this is Eddie Brock coming back and, you know, just more more venom goodness here uh Um, it's it's kind of trying to align with what sony is doing with the venom movie i would imagine yeah uh getting rid of flash in the the role and putting it back in eddie brock to kind of make things a little more synchronistic with the film that's coming out so i imagine that we won't actually see venom in it uh if we're going off of the teaser trailer (laughs) yes and then the final bit of news is Marvel's 2018 fresh start, which we will be talking about in the else words, will include a new Avengers number one by Jason Aaron and Ed McGuinness, which will focus in on two teams. The current team, which has Doctor Strange, She-Hulk, Iron Man, Cap, Thor, Captain Marvel, T'Challa, and a, not Jaime, uh, Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider in here, but also, because Jason Aaron loves to do stories into, you know, telling two separate stories that will come together, will also feature the Avengers from 1 million BC, which is the Odin holding, wielding Mjolnir and uh, the Phoenix Force in his gal pal, plus the uh, uh, female Iron Fist, a Doctor Strange type character, a Ghost Rider riding a fucking mammoth that is just awesome. <laughs> and more so yes those are those are the headlines um like i said with those not really a lot of meat to the story but and one that also sort of doesn't have a lot of meat but leads to another story is dc is releasing its own previews magazine now this is um there is a quote in here that i'm gonna get right to um diamonds preview editor marty grocer said for previews readers they will receive a copy of previews which is diamonds book that they publish and has and, all and the- yeah it's a catalog yeah. uh so, so people who who don't frequent comic shops and even if you do you might not ever see these previews is the catalog that the comic shop owners and managers order all their product from yes and over the years that product started out with everything inside of it and then marvel decided well shortly after marvel went completely out of diamond and went to their own distributor for a while Marvel has put their own separate previews catalog out that goes alongside of it. And then Image started doing that recently and uh, actually put some content into it, too. I think it had some yeah. actual stories as well. Yeah. Marvel previews is what you're talking about. And then Image Plus magazine, which is the previous thing. But that's where we got Negan's origin story when they did uh, the first they call it the first volume, but it was all where's Negan stuff. Image has 
it seems like they've jumped or tried to jump into the magazine preview stuff quite a bit because they had Emma Rios doing the island where it was up. It was not for all intents and purposes, a magazine where it had all these different stories and artists. It, it had a higher price tag because of that, because there was more in there. There's actual um, content as opposed yeah. to just buyer shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of a wizard magazine where Wizard Magazine was a price guide, and you were some people were buying it strictly for the price guide stuff, but then they started packing it with articles and and more more content at the front. So it it made it make more sense that you're buying the price guide every month, but you're actually getting stories, you're getting great artwork, you're getting Garib Seamus just being a prick, uh, you're getting <laughs> Todd McFarlane's ego uh, <laughs> articles. Uh, literally, that's what he called it. His yeah. his articles were everybody's got opinions. So. Yeah, that, so, so that let me ask what Marvel is. Marvel yeah. is like, give us a couple of bucks, and and with that couple of bucks, we'll tell you what you can buy for four nine nine an issue. Yeah, so I mean, here's and here's the interesting thing, and and I don't know, maybe I'm, I I had the wrong previous issues, but as the person who has worked in the comic book store, I'm gonna read you the quote from Marty Grosser. For previews readers, that means you'll receive a copy of previews, DC previews. Marvel previews and the Image Plus magazine, all for the price of three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Yes. Wow. Yes. I thought you said nine ninety nine before the show, and that's how oh horrendous. no. That's where I was like, wait, three ninety nine is that high? I was going to ask, is that high for you know for just the previews thing? You know, just the previews mag uh, magazine. I want to say the previews last I remember was four ninety nine okay. for the catalog. The Marvel thing was a dollar twenty-five, or it came free with the full-size previews. Yeah. In, in my shop, Kathy usually gave them to the people who were bigger subscribers for free. Uh, yeah. She supplied them out to people. Uh, it was rare that we would sell a previews unless it was someone who was coming off the street and wanted one, and we didn't know them. And so it's like, yeah, we can sell it to you. We don't have a lot of extra copies of it because, again, they're usually in demand by the people who are there every week. Yeah. So now, does this could this also mean, and and th there's a, a whole other bigger part with this too, but could the the fact that previews now doesn't have the big three in there, doesn't have DC, doesn't have Image, doesn't have Marvel, could this give a bigger spotlight to the more independent, um, smaller publishers? That is the hope because previews has always been front of the book, which is about a third of it, and then the back two thirds of it. And that back two-thirds is made up of all the smaller press publishers. And then on top of that, your cards, your magazines, your specialty items like statues and games and all this other stuff. Uh, adult content was usually in its own separate package, so to speak. But Gig. yeah, <laughs> but the, the front of it would be very big and colorful and you'd have full-page ads for a lot of the books that were coming out. Certainly the, the new number ones that month or big event books would have a whole full page each. And then some of the other books you would get like two on a page and stuff. But when you get into the, the smaller presses, like your Antarctic, some of the, the other ones, uh, even Abstract, uh, with that the Strangers in Paradise, you'd have like a little blip of about 20 of different things on a page. And so certainly the front of the book, the bigger name publishers who are putting a lot more money into it and could afford to got a lot more attention. Yeah. And that means a lot of things were just like the, the maybe I'll order a copy if someone requests it. Uh, otherwise, most of that product just gets skipped. And reasonably, a lot of that product never comes out. 
Probably because it's low order. So the other side of this, though, is because I, I feel like now, how big is Diamond as a as a distribution company? Diamond is the exclusive well, I, I, distributor of most comic but, companies. But do you, do you know how big they are as a company themselves? Because the other news article sort of seems like a move that you would see Google or Apple, you know, a company like that doing. Or, or like, especially a cable company where it's, we're focusing in on this tried and true. And then we're also doing this over here. Cause the other one is they're introducing the pull box app to encourage online pre-orders to local comic book shops. Great thing. I'm not knocking it. It just seems weird with DC doing, you know, doing the, their previews, Marvel's separate out, you know, you now have four preview issue or four preview things all for three ninety nine. To then do pull box, which is all digital, it seems like they're almost doing like the New York Times, where it's like, okay, we still have our print media stuff, but we're also going to do the digital side of things here. Well, the, for the print here's media. the thing: is that the, the catalog is not a collectible. The image ones might be more of a collectible because yeah. of the fact that they've got stories in them, uh-huh. uh, and so for that, there might be the readers who want to get that. But the digital aspect is. Yeah, if you're just trying to get the catalog so you can order stuff, it makes a lot of sense. Because, again, not everybody gets that catalog for free. And it's not really a sales strength. For $3.99 to get that much stuff printed up, they are losing money on it. They are absolutely losing money on it. The retailers are probably losing money on it because they really have to subsidize all of that. They're thick. Uh, Now, four books. The Marvel, DC, and Image ones are thin comparatively. But that regular previews catalog is pretty thick. So that's a lot of weight for shipping to be added every month. Yeah. Doing this is a very good idea. What Diamond has tried to do before was set up something so that people could buy comics digitally and still give a credit to the local comic shops. It didn't really seem to catch on because people who were supporting their local comic shops were usually buying the stuff in print and the yeah. people were buying the stuff digitally, either it was because they didn't have a local comic shop or they didn't care to visit one and they just wanted to get their comics digitally. It, it was not a lot of people were jumping on the, the idea of like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do this and it will help them, even if it didn't cost them anymore. What you saw instead was Marvel and DC putting codes in their books. And so people would buy the comics in print and then get the free codes to get the digital version of the comics. I guess if you want it twice, sure. But it still required you to go buy a book for two ninety nine or three ninety nine in the store, or buy a book digitally for two ninety nine or three ninety nine and just not get the printed copy, yeah. um, which is kind of a horrendous deal for people who are buying digital. This seems like a smarter move because it's encouraging people one to use their local comic shop and two to know what's coming up so they can tell their shop without having to bring this long paper list every month for them to have to go through. I remember doing this all the time. Hey, I want this book and I want to have it pulled for me, essentially. It 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 gives shops more of an idea as to what books they can actually sell to their regular customers. They still have to figure out like, okay, I'm going to get 60 issues of this Avengers comic and then I'm going to want five for the shelf for the people who just kind of randomly come in for it. Or the people who don't use electronic apps and stuff, I know yeah. that I'm still going to have some some crossover, but it's going to take a lot of the guesswork out of ordering for them if it's used well. It's, it's always still a crapshoot of that person who like orders stuff for three months in advance, like like Beat is saying in the chat. Uh, it's still three months in advance usually, 
from the time that the Diamonds preview catalog comes out. A month after that is when the order goes in, and then two months later is when the stuff actually shows up on the shelves. It's still like a crapshoot of like if that person moves away or decides not to buy their comics from you anymore or stops buying comics altogether. But it's it's at least more of a focus of, oh, I didn't know that this new Ghostwriter book was really hot. According to all these people, they really want this. And that is so much more engaging than just like, oh, I want to get Black Bolt pulled every month. And then by month four, you've decided you don't like Black Bolt anymore. But you've got a pull list in there so that the store still thinks that you're getting it up through at least issue six. They put in that order for issue six, but you're like, no, I'm done at four. And so they're already screwed on the next two issues. Yeah. So the, the, some of the cool things that this offers is, uh, like like you said, managing your pre-orders. So, you know, for books coming out, the ability to sync with your local comic book shop. Now, this is where I have a little bit of a problem because it's powered by comicshoplocator.com. That has not always been accurate, and I don't True. know. I don't know what what their algorithm is. If it's like a the comic shop has to opt in or what, but I've put in my. I think I've put in my home area code, and it's giving me Lansing, and you know, it's giving me stuff that's you know fifty miles away, not ten. You know, just you know, just down the road here. Well, I, I do believe it's probably going to have uh, some requirements like. One of the things is that old mom and pop shops and, and even still modern shops don't always do the digital ordering system that Diamond has. Yeah. You can order the stuff through the web page, but they have scanners. They have barcode scanners and stuff and a program that's all part of their retail outlet program. Yeah. And if you're a shop that uses that, then you're going to be able to take advantage of this. I don't know if your average mom and pop shop who still uses a regular cash register and a separate card reader and all that stuff and does all their ordering by hand, I don't know if they're going to be able to take advantage of this. So it may be a push to encourage them to be more of a part of those things. Yeah. And I know Diamond has done uh, big programs to help people get started on that, uh, especially when new stores open. They do a lot to encourage you to sign up for this stuff and give you a lot of product for launching, uh, a lot of back catalog, uh, graphic novels and stuff to help you get your store stocked. They don't give them to you, but they make them very inexpensive for the new shops comparatively but then everybody winds up starting out with the new product being kind of the same the ability to play special orders or keep a wish list so that part to me is cool because that is very cool yeah i look at that as the comic book nerd and this is this is more than just the comics this is the statues you know this is you know some of the other things that you know that previous world will do as well so and i know we're in february now you know almost in march Less than a month before Ready Player One. Sorry, I saw a preview on it at the uh, while watching the Olympics. I'm like, oh, I want to see it right now. And you know, so it's like, you know, you get towards Christmas time or or your birthday if you're one of those lucky people who your birthday is not eight days after Christmas or you know, like right around Christmas time where it's actually you know spaced out a little bit. Do the wish list and people go, well, where can I help you? It's 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 sort of like the Amazon wish list. You know, you just go like, oh, here, here's the link. It's to your Amazon wish list. It's like. Well, he likes comic books, um, but he don't have anything in his wish list. What can I get you? There, there's my wish list. Buy some, buy me some of this shit. Enhanced search and ordering. Um, track your weekly purchases. Retail functions. On um, so, no, so stuff for the retail end, and then Comic Suite integration. Comic Suite, I think, is the retailer system. Yeah, there was part of me that was hoping that this would do one thing that I've been looking for for a while. And if you know something or if the viewers know something, you know, listeners, by all means, you know, 
tweet me, you know, message me on Twitter at that Gregor, because my friend has, there's an app that keeps track of vinyl records. You know, like he has like his collection, you know, what he has, what even what, you know, what pressings he has. I want something like that for comics to where there's definitely comic book database software out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's has been for years. And and of course you can set up your own database and, and do it all on your own. But there are things that are the, I'm the lazy. intro. Yeah, <laughs> and, but but it is going to be the, a lot of work to start doing it now. Yeah, your comic collection isn't huge yet, so it, it could be easier to make that point today than say maybe a year from now. But yeah, the comic database software has existed since the '90s at least, or, or at least it's is it an app on Android? Or I iOS. don't know if they. I would imagine they probably have gone to an app at this point, but I haven't. Yeah. I haven't looked into it. It's not something that I'm really that I've been missing in my life. <laughs> Although there are definitely times when I open up an old comic box, I'm like, oh shit, I didn't know I had that, or yeah. I look forever for something that I had at one point and probably gave away. So yeah, that 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 certainly exists. And that's another thing too, though, is you're talking about an app, you're talking about something on your phone. Another thing that I remember happening all the time with subscribers is. Oh, I made my new pull list. I forgot to bring it in this week. I'll bring it in next week. And the amount of times that they forget it at home or they've lost it, <laughs> uh, or it's like they come in, they scribble stuff off and restart up. This will eliminate that as well. It will make it a lot cleaner, a, a lot more relevant. The only part still, though, is they have to make the changes and then it takes a couple months for the changes to implement. Yeah, which is fine when they're adding something, but if you're the retailer and they're canceling something and you've already put in those orders, it's tough. It's always tough. It, at some point, this stuff will hopefully streamline to be faster, but it's never going to be super fast because Marvel's always going to have to print to order, and that takes time. So it's it's still a ways away. I really like this. I like what this software is talking about. And actually, like like I mentioned before the show, I don't know if I mentioned it here, but when I went to get my comic books while I was being rung up. A person had called the comic book store and asked Tim, the owner, what about this? I'm pretty sure he was talking about this. And and Tim was actually explaining a lot of the back end stuff. And I'm like, dude, w- wait, what were you talking about? And now I'm like, he was talking about that. <laughs> Our next bit of news is that, and again, it's weird. We got like short story partnered with a bigger story. And then, you know, short story partnered with another short story, but offers more here. Joss Whedon has exited the Batgirl movie and I believe is going to write the Buffy comic. You know, is going from this to writing the, the next season of the Buffy comic book. And with this, we have Roxanne Gay offering to write the Batgirl movie, the live action Batgirl film. She wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's hit hone in on that a little bit. Yeah. So it gets announced that Joss Whedon has said that he has struggled to come up with a script for the Batgirl movie that was announced sometime last year that he just, it hasn't really rung for him, you know? And there are thoughts that maybe he doesn't want to work with the DC film universe anymore because the reception on Justice League, which was part him, part Zack, was not great or Maybe he just feels like writing another female character at this point in time isn't where his headspace is for many different reasons in the fandom. But going back to Buffy, which is his own property, kind of goes against that part of it, at least. Whatever the case is, is I can definitely understand and I appreciate someone who says, hey, I thought I could write this and 
Turns out, no. I, I yeah. just can't I can't make the, the dots connect. I, I don't want to give you a half-assed movie just because it'll have my name on it. I'd rather give you something good. And then we have to remember, too, that the Batman movie that's supposed to have been coming out for the last couple of years was originally supposed to star and be directed by and co-written by Ben Affleck with Jeff Johns. And he said eventually, oh, the script's not coming together now, so we're not going to be writing it. It's going to go to another writer. And then his interest in directing kind of went away. He's like, I'm not writing it, and I don't really feel like I should direct it. And, and then there's all the hints of, like, he may not even be in it. So it's not like it's the first person to walk away from working on a DC project. Where are we in the fucking Flash film at this point? I just yeah. saw today that uh, the guys who are doing that new Game Night movie are the, the next ones likely to direct it. But the ink hasn't been dried on the contracts yet, so they can't really say or not. Which means there's probably still not a script. Uh, or if there is a script, it doesn't mean they're going to stick with it. It went from being the Flash to being Flashpoint, but nobody knows what the fuck that is. The lead actress, I think, left the movie. So, again, DC Universe is vaporware. You know what you do with vaporware? Is you fucking say, hey, vaporware, I want to get my name associated with the project so people talk about me for a little bit. So So I'm going to offer myself up to you on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So here's here's the quote from Joss Whedon that he told uh, The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Batgirl is such an exciting project and Warner Brothers DC, such collaborative and supportive partners that it took me months to realize I didn't have a story. And then he later said about uh, Jeff Johns and uh, Warner Brothers Pictures Group President Toby Emmerich. I'm grateful to Jeff and Toby and everyone who was welcoming when I arrived and so understanding when I uh is there a sexier word for failed? I look at this. I I, I think honestly, it's more of a like I, I could believe him. You know, like he didn't really have a story that he wanted to tell, and and I think it could be you know something more like you're saying that he he feels like the stories that he maybe he wants to tell won't don't fit in with the universe that they're setting up. Yeah, and I so, kind of feel like that could very much be it because remember, Joss Whedon was associated with writing Wonder Woman at one point. Yeah, and was. Like, people were really excited about Joss doing Wonder Woman back in the day, and then they just couldn't make it work. Like, his ideas didn't seem to be working in in the producers' minds or whatever, and so he had to walk away from the project. He realized that yeah. it didn't fit for him, or it didn't fit, he didn't fit for them, it, whatever the case. It's honestly, it's one of those things that I look at this, at this, you know, Joss Whedon's story here, and we are focusing in more on it because, I mean, the... The, the Roxanne Gay story is literally, she tweeted, hey, at DC Comics, can I write your Batgirl movie? No prob. And then three hours after her tweet, DC's uh, DC Entertainment's vice president of content strategy, Michelle Wells, responded with definite interest, saying, if you're serious, contact me. And then gave out her email. You know, gave out her, her work email, which... To me, show is like okay, cool. Now, Roxanne um, Gay is a mostly a prose writer. She writes books and stuff, but she did work, uh, as I understand it, on one of the Wakanda titles at Marvel recently. Um, yeah, uh, Black Panther: World of Wakanda, I believe, or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's and I was uh, being, I, I want to be clear, I was being facetious about you know <laughs> if you want to get your name out there to to get people to talk about you and stuff is like go hit up the these people on Twitter. I, I'm not saying that's actually what she was intending. It, she probably was very much like, yeah, I'll fucking 
take a shot in the dark and see if they're willing to talk to me about this, but I don't know who to speak to, so let me just put it into the ether and see what happens. And maybe this is her dream project, and it's just yeah. going to be this lightning striking to to allow that. I don't want to insult her at all. No, um, no but I, I do think it's funny because this is not how Twitter works in in our minds. Like this is a weird way to go and get a job. But you know what's funny is like everybody who's ever written for comics always kind of says the same sort of thing, which is I could tell you how I broke into comics, but it won't work for you now. Because once you've snuck into that that pathway, the door slams shut behind you and other people can't get in that way because everybody's prone and privy to it. And we all think, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to do what Mark Wade did to get in or I'm going to do what Brian Bendis did to get in. It's like, no, the, the real way to get into comics is to make comics and then have comics to show these companies so they know that you can do the fucking work. Yeah, there are people who get lucky, but lucky is just that. It's a one-time thing. It's not like, oh, wow, we found this new fucking way to get from here to Spain. It's just this fucking tide pool that you slip into and suddenly you shoot through this dimensional doorway and pop out the other side with a fucking mermaid legs. Maybe once, but the rest of you people are just going to fucking drown. Again, looking at here and on to fill in on the rest of her work, the Black Panther World of Wakanda book she worked on, she's also a few weeks ago announced that she's working on her own creator-owned comic book title. So, I mean, it's... But, you're, you know, you're you're absolutely right on the whole going on Twitter thing because it reminds me of one of the... And, and I admit, I don't post a lot on Twitter, mainly because, one, I have too strong of a filter from my head to either my mouth or my thumbs. Now, granted, there are times when that is lax. I'm pretty sure I'd probably be one of them talkative drunks. I've never been drunk, so I don't know. <laughs> but the one time I just arg complained about something was about Comcast. And sure enough, they, one of their people, first I thought it was a robot, but there was actually like a person, responded back and like, hey, and they started private messaging me stuff. And I'm like, this is awesome. You know, immediately, it immediately made me think, better things of comcast because they have a person who it's their it's their job to just sit on twitter and look at the the hash you know the at comcast feed and then come back with their own thing of hi how can i help have you tried this 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 and i go yes i've tried all that stuff and nothing is working and then they're like all right well i'm gonna private um and i'm gonna message you privately so we can you know i can get i can get some of your information here so i can you know do her your account that's what this seems like to me is it's like is dc gonna tell her to reset her router here in a minute but it's just it's just so funny because we we don't hear stories about people getting jobs through Twitter. twitter we see hear people losing their fucking jobs <laughs> yes. twitter it's like hey i just made a semi-racist joke while i'm on this plane hope i'm not fired when i get off of it in another country yeah bitch you'd be fired yeah i mean it's it's true but i don't know I, I mean, we'll see. I I've read her work on World of Wakanda. I I enjoyed it. So, chance and I have I haven't read her books, but then again, you know I've got three four books that I've purchased in the past couple months because I'm like, ooh, I'll buy that book. I'll buy that book. I'll buy that book, including Andy Weir's Artemis, and I have not opened them at all. You know, there's actually I think Artemis and the other one are sitting on my bookshelf back here. So it's one of those, like, you know, I ain't got time to read, especially a book that don't have pictures. 
<laughs> you know, a book that doesn't have the word comic before it. The the thing also is with the success of Wonder Woman, it would kind of be in DC's interest to say, yeah, let's try to focus on female creators for our female-led movies right now. It, it yeah. worked. This one, Wonder Woman worked in a way that the rest of the DC film universe in this incarnation has not. Black Panther, which we'll talk to about in a little bit, works in having a person of color make the movie about characters of color. So far, this is a pretty smart strategy. And no, it doesn't mean that men can't direct movies about women or women can't direct movies about men. It's never that. It's just at this point in time, getting somebody who has a really good handle on that voice and certainly underserved in filmmaking in general, there are not enough women directors. There are not enough women as as writers in Hollywood. So getting more of that out there seems very refreshing mm-hmm. and and encouraging. Yeah. And so yeah, when a when a established writer says she's interested in writing your female character, when an established male writer said he couldn't do it, seems like a smart move to at least have a meeting with that person. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, B is agreeing with you on the Black Panther thing, and he's also saying kind of Black Lightning. But the Black Lightning thing, honestly, that seems like Greg Berlanti saw what was being done with the other producer and is like, all right, I'm going to attach my name on here so that other people will will actually, you know, take a look at this too. Hey, Corey, do you got an ad for us? Uh, Yeah, so uh, before we get to two white guys talk about Black Panther, you're welcome. We're gonna we're gonna give you a little uh, word from our sponsor. See if I can do this. <clears throat> Hello, friends. Like me, you've probably been wondering. Hey, I've been taking care of myself. Ta-da! Uh, <laughs> in this crazy age of high fats and high carbs and everything else, I'm eating natural. I'm going to the Whole Foods instead of the Kroger. I'm uh, I'm doing the the send me a box of, of organic everything. I haven't had a niblet of corn since the new millennium started. And you may be thinking, I'm paying a lot of money to eat this well, but shouldn't I get paid back a little bit for it? Well, my friend, you are right. You are absolutely right. Why would you not be rewarded for all the good work you're doing for yourself and for the environment? And how can we help you turn that into something that will pay you a little bit back? Well, my friends, we have got you taken care of. And I'm talking about Blue Bedpan. Now, Blue Bedpan is a service that is tied to maybe another popular service you probably have heard on another podcast. But that's just going in. And what we want to get you is coming out. In the Blue Bedpan service, we send you a test kit. Uh, it's it's about one to two fingers worth of probe. We call it the millennia. Millennia, sorry. And um, we have you take a sample, send it back, and if it's green and you're clean, well, you're going to get paid back, my friends. Uh, every month, you will get a blue bedpan box and uh, fill it to the brim. Send it back, and we will use it to organically enhance our new growth 
and so the vegetables that you get will you'll know you had a part in growing them. Uh, it will be <laughs> the best tasting who you ever did. So please come to our link, bluebedpan.com, and use our coupon code ELSPOOPS and get paid for going. It is time for the else views. Um, and we've got one because, I mean, I will give honorable mentions to Everything Sucks over on Netflix. The, the show, not just Everything That Sucks over on Netflix. And, and there's other ones that I'll, I'll, I'll probably talk about next week. But really, there's only one thing. And that is the Black Panther. Now, first off, I want to I want to hit really quick on something that I heard Trevor Noah talk about, and it's something I I, I like too. Even though I'm dumb and I I only know English, the language that they're speaking in there is actually it's called Kosa, and it's actually an African language, and they're actually using it. And he's Trevor Noah speaks it, um, and so I saw it on because on Facebook Daily Show has a thing on there called Between the Scenes where he just talks to the audience and they film him talking to the audience, and he mentions all that and. Like, I thought it was, like, I thought, I thought, like, one of those African languages, and it was cool to hear him be like, yeah, that's this, and they're saying everything right. So, Black Panther came out last Thursday, or I think, or I think it premiered, like, over around the world at, uh, before that. But for the masses, it came out last Thursday, last Friday. I went and saw it opening, like, the very first screening that I could, and I'm pretty sure I, I just did it as a warning more of, I'm going to talk about this, so if you want to jump on the bandwagon, best watch it before we do the show. In fact, as I did go see the movie last night, I had a crazy week myself with work, and it was a little bit of a reward to myself, but it was also because since the show had already been pushed back, it gave me the opportunity to see it, and I felt like you were going to want to talk about it. I was not going to want to have it spoiled yes. for myself, and I, I really wanted to see it. So oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So I will. T this is how I'm going to say it, how good it is as a non-spoiler thing. I was almost going to go see it again today with my mom because I went just by myself, didn't get beat up or whatever. Like people are saying and posting <laughs> on Twitter and then posting pictures of other people, not realizing that those pictures have been covered in, in news stories in the past year. Idiots. Can we just say how wonderful it is? that assholes on the internet want to destroy anything that is not their thing. Uh, yeah. So if, if a, a woman is succeeding in, in the film, <laughs> oh, no, bitches be crazy. You can't have that happen. Uh, <laughs> why would they have shows that only women can go to? Men couldn't get away with that shit. Men got away with that shit for fucking years. Yeah. Uh, and as far as, oh, no, Black Panther. So all these white people who want to go to these movie theaters are going to get beat up by black people. God damn it. You know, just like. No, so, <laughs> so let me ask you this because this happened actually with mine, with, with, at my theater, there were, there were people dressed in African garb. Now, awesome. none, now none of them had the same complexion that I do. Thank God. Cause I'd have been like mm, college kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, did, are you, did you dancing? Uh, <laughs> but did you are are you Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder? You know, am I? Are we how how many how many shots of Zima are we from blackface right now? Here, honest, oh, be honest. God. Um, but no. So like, it was cool to see you know like the African and I and I only say garb because I do not know what they were actually wearing. I didn't go up and ask them because when I am out in the real world, I am very much keep to myself. That, that is just my nature. Did you see anyone like that? Like, dressed? Uh, no, I saw it at 
five fifty on a Thursday the week after it came out. Yeah. But I, I do want to point out the theater was pretty full uh, for that time of day and for being a week into it already being out in the theaters and stuff. Yeah. So I was I was impressed by that. But it was it was a, a mix of people and, and I think that that's great because one, this has the advantage of being a Marvel movie that already has a built-in audience. We're now 19 films in, 10 years of these films. Yeah. So it, it, it has an audience that exists and should already want to see it. But I find it very exciting and encouraging that there is an audience who has felt underserved by films that this isn't a Medea movie uh, or whatever. You know, no, no Tyler Perry in this. And... And that's fine, you know, and it's it's cool that that Tyler Perry has served that audience so well for so many years. But this is something new and yeah. this is something deserved. This is something that I get to enjoy, but they probably get to enjoy. And I say they not trying to pack everybody into one big group, but people get to enjoy at a whole other level than I do. And yeah. I was conscious of that the entire time watching the movie is yeah. that. I was so excited that this was not made just for me. I look at this movie as this is the movie that when I watched uh, the Spider-Man cartoon show growing up, the 90, I think it was the 94 Spider-Man cartoon show or the X-Men show, you know, on Saturday morning cartoons that made me fall in love with, with these characters. That's what I feel like this, this Black Panther is for other kids because it's because with Spider-Man, I could relate to that character because I've always been, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was more, I was nerdy and all that. So it's like, you know, he's like me. He loves science and, and all that. And so it was like, boom, I can immediately relate to that. Th that's honestly my hope, you know, for, for my niece, you know, who is, you know, half black, half white, you know, when she grows up later and she watches this movie and she goes, cause she already, you know, my Captain America should let go over here whenever she comes here. Like she was here earlier and she's like, she just looks at me and smiles, go. And I'm like, yes, you can grab the shield. And she pulls it on. She starts, she got it. Damn thing's bigger than her. She could use it as a sled if she wanted to. And she's just holding, you know, she's, you know, holding it around and stuff and then banging on it. Like it's a drum because she's two years old, but that excites me, you know, for her, you know, down the road when she's old enough, she watches this. She'll be like, I want to be like her and pointing to Sherry and be like, I want to be like her. And that's where I'll be like, thank you. Thank you, little one. There is hope in this world. Which, again, you don't yeah. have to look up to and, and, and want to be like j only people who look like you. Yeah. But there should be representation of everybody so that everybody gets that opportunity. Mm -hmm. if, if, I, if I spent years looking at long-haired glam metal band people or, or hair metal band people... <laughs> And and tried to make myself seem more like them because I idealized them, but also because you know there were similarities in how we look and stuff, or how I looked at that point in time. That's great for me. If if I look up on the screen and I've seen people who look like me my entire life in these films, that's great for me. But I want everybody to have that, and and yeah. not every person who is of African American descent or or African descent. Uh, is going to see Black Panther and have it be their new favorite movie or identify necessarily with anybody in it. it that That's okay. It's again, it's a personal choice, but I'm just, I'm just so glad it's there. And the world building in it is fantastic. 
all the the different tribes and stuff that come together to have the fight they're so cool because everybody feels individual and everybody has their strengths and their weaknesses and and the things about them and it just it felt very empowering also there were more female characters in this than there were men and the female characters were presented as being smarter as being stronger as being more skilled as having a better worldview than the narrowness of the men and i love that too it didn't put down the men in any way shape or form but it just showed that women could be empowered in a very different way and sometimes and in this most of the time be stronger yeah everything about this was extremely exciting to me and on top of that it was gorgeous to look at it was smartly written it was funny at times when it could be funny it was very serious it had strong messaging i think it was really really cool and so good yeah and beat is pointing out that it actually has a really good antagonist uh which is rare for the marvel cinematic universe a lot of the antagonists are one-offs that don't have a lot of depth and they're just like it's not far and away different from the similar stories like how far is it from whiplash in like your family affected my family in such and such way and i want my revenge on you but the way that this person was brought up to become who he was was far more realistic and in many ways it felt more honest um, so I want to I want to point out something here, and this is something that I find amazing and actually brings me hope for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The writer and director of Black Panther, Ryan Coogler. Do you know how many movies he did before Black Panther? No, but I I remember he did two. the one that was based on. He did two. He did Fruitvale Station in right. 2013. And then he did Creed in 2015. All of those have one person in common, besides him, one person in common. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan. This is this is something cool. And like he's done some short films, so it's not like he's only done three things. Um, but he did uh, four short films before uh, Fruitvale Station. But I look at that, and it's like, okay, that's telling me that Marvel is really just looking for people who have talent. If they have a voice... That will fit the character. Boom. Pull him here. Now, I'm going to say this. I haven't heard a lot of people saying this, but I don't really... And this is what makes him a great villain. I don't see Killmonger really as a villain. Only because... Oh, I do. Well, uh, only because I can relate to... I can see why he's coming from his point of view. Right. But a, a, but a person who... Wow, I really agree with that guy. I wish he wasn't killing so many good people. Yeah, uh, it's, that's but that's no, vile. Yeah, I I say that you know because of the fact that like he's and beats right. He's saying antagonist, not villain. Like I totally get it because and this is where we start to get in spoiler territory. But with his motivations, it makes perfect sense. Right, you know, he's not a twirling mustache. Yeah, character. He's not a I want to do evil because it's evil. It's his life put him in a path and, and in some parts of it, it's revenge and some parts of it is his worldview is things are being done wrong here, but it's got a depth to it. It's similar to a Magneto more than yeah. it is a Dr. Doom. 
it's well, no, it's it's a Doctor Doom from the comics, not Doctor Doom from the past three movies. Honestly, Doctor Doom from the comics was just like uh, Richards all the fucking time. <laughs> like he didn't like people because he wasn't pretty. That, yeah. that's a pretty fucked up, stupid way to live. And he was uh, a monarch in his own co- country and stuff, and couldn't handle the fact that Reed Richards was smarter than him. He's just a petty little bitch. <laughs> yeah, and the other cool thing is they gave Killmonger such a gr- such a great backstory, but actually, actually a backstory, you know, yes. more than more because I mean in the comics his backstory is, oh my people got you know my my dad died or whatever you know he was I think he's only been in like ten issues in the comics in in the whole history of Black Panther. No character was underserved in this. Yeah. Everybody yeah. who played a part in this, in a in a major part, felt like they were important. Felt like they delivered something that was important to the story, and that depth is what really made it a more interesting film. And I I challenge it to even barely be looked at as a superhero film. It's a heroic film. It's a yeah. ton of heroes doing heroic things. But as a superhero movie, there's not a lot of that standard costume on costume fighting we get some of it at the end but at that point in time we know everything about the two people who are in those suits the suits don't matter they're just a weapon it's the same thing as people fighting in swords in a a sword and sorcery film or a medieval show or something yeah it's not i have to do this to save the world although there is that it's about becoming this king the journey is very different it's about protecting his people. Mark Mark yeah, Freeman, not, uh, Beatmaster, saying was kind of mad. I think he was he was he was he was the token white guy, you know, like in in so many other movies where you take the cast here. Where no, I'm talking main part of the movie, not end credit scenes. You really had two white guys throughout the whole movie, and the you know the rest were people of color. One's a a villain, a, an antagonist. The other is Martin Freeman's character, and like this is where I totally agree with Scott Johnson. When he talked about this on on the morning stream uh, this past Monday, over on FrogPants.com, where he said that you know it, they gave him just enough stuff to do in here, but not be the like a central point. You know, he he's right. a little support character. And he has his moments, and then boom, he's out. Yeah, he he was as important in this as uh, maybe a little bit more, but he had as much a role in this as he did in Captain America: Civil War. Yeah, realistically, um, it's not so, about him. Yeah. So for because we we haven't really hit any spoilers yet, still, um, for people wondering and curious, because one of the guys that, that I work with, he actually asked, like he's like. Because I asked him, have you seen it yet? He goes, no. And he comes back and he, he works asset protection for, <laughs> for my store. And he comes back and he goes, so I heard this happen. And I, I want to go, is it that slow that you're literally just on your phone while you're looking at the cameras? And you're just looking up review like stuff about Black Panther? To where I'm like, I, like I'm slowly, uh, like I'm having to play, do a filter in my head of, what can I say that's not going to ruin bit major plot points? but still give him the information he wants. I saw than- my first Black Panther meme last night. Yeah. And, and I was like so grateful 
that I didn't see it until last night after I had seen the movie because yeah. I, I I really tried to avoid being spoiled oh, on this. Was it was it the Michael B. Jordan one? No, it was the leader of the other tribe who challenged uh, at first. Yeah, it, it um, was M- Yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. Uh, I think it might have been like something political where some politician was saying something and they were all doing the, the chanting over him, like as he's trying to talk. <laughs> and it, it, it's very similar to a bola, 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 bola that uh, Michael Rooker does in the first guardian, but it, it just works at an even better level. Yeah. That guy was so great. Yeah. Oh man. Like that's the thing is <laughs> not in there much, but brings so much to the points where he is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what this movie does. It celebrates characters like you feel like you know these characters very quickly and they're all very honest to who they are. They don't feel like they, they turn on dime. Like the the person who is Chala's friend who sort of betrays him, you understand why he betrays him and you understand how he, he kind of like comes around be- after that. It It just feels so real. Where does this rank for you as far as Marvel movies go? Um, so, well, before I say that, real quick, what I was going to say is what, what what a lot of people might be worried or curious about is where this fits in in the timeline. This takes place a week after Civil War. It actually has some, because that's what I like that they've done with, you know, this and Spider-Man Homecoming is they featured some stuff in there, you know, from Homecoming or from, from Civil War to fill it in. But this takes place a week after uh, Civil War for people who are wondering. But where does this fit? Oh, gosh. This is easily top five for me um, yeah i feel and, like and the, right now this is top three for me yeah it, it's it's a it's a viable top two but i haven't seen it enough yet i've, I've only yeah. seen it the once and other marvel movies i've seen multiple times but then there are marvel movies that i don't necessarily go back and rewatch as much i mean I, I'm, and i'm only saying that because and and i hate i hate saying like 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 ranking movies like oh this one sucked this one didn't but because they all bring such different things to the table, but you know, like like my favorite movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now, Thor Ragnarok. You best believe I'm picking that up on the 4K. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One and Two, and then um, Civil War was great. Uh, Spider Man Homecoming was great, and then you know, and then you know, obviously Black Panther. But then again, it's like I haven't I haven't watched a movie, a, a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, and been like. Well, now I'm in the prequel side of things here. You know, like that movie sucked. Yeah, even the Marvel movies that aren't as as stellar. Like I'm a person who loved Iron Man three. I know some mm-hmm. people really despise that one, but for me, it's it's always worked. But even something like Iron Man two or or Thor two, I I find them infinitely rewatchable just as part of the 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 film universe that they already are. You know, the Incredible Hulk that had Ed. Edward Norton in it before it was really like truly integrated. Yeah. I like that movie a lot. There's none of these have been something that I don't like, but I haven't found myself rewatching Dr. Strange yet. Although I loved how they utilized Dr. Strange and Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, I kind of like that more than I like the Dr. Strange movie. Cause I think it gets to a point where you've done your establishment and then you can have more fun with these characters. Ant-Man I like, but I don't feel that, solid connection to but i find that i'm pretty excited for ant-man and the wasp maybe for the same reasons but but this is like i went out of there and i'm like this is just a great movie and i had a friend uh at lunch today ask me if i'd seen it yet and he hasn't 
And uh, the other guy we were with was like, well, do I have to know all the other Marvel movies? And I don't think that you do. I think that they they cover what you know of Shala from Civil War enough that there's not a lot of self-referential stuff in this of like, oh, and here's here's where he makes a comment about Captain America or here's where he makes some some reference to something coming up. Even the the end credits stinger isn't a huge stinger. I don't know if you haven't seen the other movies that you'll get much out of it. But it's just it's kind of like a a breath of oh yeah these things are still interconnected and it gives you a check in on someone that you haven't seen for a bit. But the Can separate I... Martin Friedman's character Claw was like the most established from something that was outside uh-huh. of where Black Panther's been. I'm disappointed that that character probably not going to make a return because I think okay. uh, Andy Serkis did really good in it. But I'm also glad that he wasn't a primary part of this movie. So here's here's where we definitely get into spoiler territory. Because I want to hit on this a little bit. Because that, in part, sets up a plot hole. The fact that we have that the whole setup for that scene was Killmonger goes or is was going to use Claw to... And by the way, I freaking love Andy Serkis' Claw. Yeah. Like, I, that, like, I saw him as more of a villain leading on asshole in... Civil War, and then here it's just like, all right, he's just an asshole. You know, he's he's just in this for himself. And gosh, okay, I'm on, I'm on I'm, I'm as a side, I'm on the Wikipedia page right now for all Marvel Cinematic Universe. Still love seeing C. Robert Cargill in the writer section for for Doctor Strange. It's so great. But there's a little plot hole in there. And the thing when Killmonger kills, and I'm using air quotes there, Claw, Claw yeah. He didn't. He still need him to fly to Wakanda because he had never been, never been there. Didn't know how to get there. No, I I think he was implying to him at first that he didn't know how to get there, but he knew because he had all the stuff from his his dad, all his notes and stuff that he wasn't supposed to be looking at. They showed the point where he's he's talking to his father, you know, already passed and stuff. He's talking to the ghost of his dad, like yeah. Charlotte did earlier with his dad, but. He had all those books and stuff to look up and find out about Wakanda and know about it and probably know where to find it. So it was more or less they were leading Claw on to take them there, but they were always planning on taking him out or turning him in. Yeah. So I don't know that it's really a plot hole. Yeah. And and I mean, honestly, this is where I I really wish they didn't kill Claw. Because Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, because I mean, I like the fact that we have that he's he's a great he's a great villain. He'd be a great you know antagonist for a Black Panther sequel, and you know, in other things, you know, like the little wheeling dealing guy. If they used um, him in the way that they use Scarecrow in the Nolan Batman movies, yeah, where he's never the main villain, but he just has appearances here and there. Yes, but I can also see how much do we really want to concentrate on this white guy in these movies that obviously it's going to do better to empower more black actors to be in them and, and, yeah. and make a better, I guess it, it's a matter of looking forward into where their plans are going next with these films. But I, I like claw and I, I, I think that there's certainly more that could have been done with him in other parts, but it's kind of like crossbones in captain America winter soldier. And then captain America, 
Civil War, it's like, oh, well, Crossbones, we, we now know who he's going to be in the next movie. And then we see him for five minutes and then he's gone because what we're really going up against is Thanos. <laughs> um, so the other part I will. I'm just saying at some point, Black Panther can fight Baltrek the Leaper. Uh, no, because he was our, he was in uh, Winter Soldier. Right. I know. But I'm saying yeah. that he didn't die. Oh, true. Actually, no, that would be good because I mean that's that's George St. Pierre. He would like he, I love that fight scene in in Winter Soldier just because of the fact that you know George St. Pierre brings that authenticity with the fighting, you know, because he is a UFC fighter and stuff. So it's like you know, I hear what you're saying and I love it. Um, I, I in my head I just sound like 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 a marketing executive or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, sir, can I tell you about my idea for blue bedpan? <laughs> why yes i'm trying to think of what to say that about black panther that hasn't been said because i mean i just say see it yeah just i mean honestly you, go you, see it if you've never seen a marvel universe movie give this one a shot if you've seen them all you're not going to be disappointed in this no it, it yeah. is an excellent marvel cinematic universe film and it is an excellent film on its own there, there's certainly advantages of it being in the Marvel universe. I don't want to undersell that point. It, it gets to take advantage of that the same as any other film that's come out in the last five years has. But it is just a really, really good, entertaining movie yeah. that does a lot that other movies have not done yet. And it's very exciting that Marvel has taken chances on a film like this, on a in a reasonably new director on a cast and said we're all in yeah you know it's, so, it's kind of like the netflix thing of oh yeah you know you want to make a tv series here's multiple millions of dollars to go make this series and, and bring it to us except marvel was always a part of this and they just picked the right guy and the and the right actors and everything to make it happen but they put everything into it like ant-man still feels like a small movie this did not yeah so i want to point out here because beats beat mentioned about you know or after phase four that this is the one thing that i like with at least on the wikipedia page that uh, marvel has when you search up marvel cinematic universe as opposed to dc and i think this is dc's problem i can sum it up right here you look at the after black panther which is in theaters right now what's coming out next and what they've announced. You have Avengers Infinity War, which is coming out on May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Of this year, you got Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is coming out July 6th. Both those are in post-production. They have, after those two, Captain Marvel, another Avengers film, a Spider-Man Homecoming sequel, and then Guardians Volume 3, leading up to 2020. That's it. Um, and Venom, Venom's one of those areas, and then, you know, getting... X-Men, you know, the X-Men franchise back and the uh, Fantastic Four back would be another area thing. But with this here, you know, that's, you look at, on the other side, you look at DC, they have stuff announced. It's all pre-production and nothing out. I feel like that's the big problem here is Marvel's working so on... Like, okay, what's next? Like, here, boom, 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 boom. Getting them like, what's next? Get it done. Next, done. Next, done. They announced 
that big old slate, you know, shortly after DC announced theirs at Comic-Con or however that worked, you know, where we got, you know, from, it was like after Age of Ultron or Ant-Man, I think Ant-Man was coming out at that year San Diego Comic-Con and both, both sides announced all their platforms. Here's the difference. Marvel has changed two things, like two or three things in there. And so far has stuck to their plan of what they're doing. DC has not. DC needs to get their, you know, whether I'm, and I'm hoping like, like with what we cover in the news, I'm hoping these people are the people who will get, get it to where you look at DC's film universe to where it'll eventually start looking like Marvel's where they've got five films that are in the works for the next four years, you know, four or five years. As opposed to, we've got this big long slate all the way up until twenty one ninety nine, and but we're going to change it. It's like no, don't you know that's private, secret whiteboard stuff behind the video camera that that you're sharing there. You don't need to share that to hype up fans because guess what? We're already going to be hyped up. I I, I do want to comment that the biggest dick slinging ever is that Disney owns by Ron Jeremy Marvel. Uh, yeah, Disney owns Marvel and star wars they have a film release on may the 4th they don't put the star wars movie on it. <laughs> well that's also because by the, the way star ron wars... jeremy from wolverine in the marvel universe heard of your first folks peace <laughs> the star wars movie that would be coming out this year is solo solo right and i mean but it's i feel like next year if the oh, episode nine does not come out on May the 4th or, you know, like right around there, then yeah, that's a missed opportunity. But solo where I like the trailer, but a lot of people are like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you, but it's just <laughs> we have a Star Wars movie coming out in May. We have another movie coming out in May on May the 4th, not yeah. the Star Wars movie. That is either we really have no confidence in Solo <laughs> Or what, we what have I'm, just so much more confidence in Marvel than we do in Star Wars at this moment. What I'm hearing is we need a Marvel Day. Whatever, however we determine it, you know, we need a Marvel Day and we need to release a Star Wars movie on that day. That's the thing. This is the opportunity to do that. You get that <laughs> once every six years, every five to six years because of leap years and stuff. You have the opportunity to have a Marvel release or a movie release on May the 4th. If you go off of the regular release cycle of films, the one day a week that the new movies come out, the release day being May the 4th, like I said, once every four or five years because of leap years. Mm -hmm. So to have that synchronicity and you have that pocket and to not utilize it means that they know Solo ain't got shit on the Avengers. <laughs> I mean, there's, from what I remember, there not there two Star Wars days. There's May the 4th, but then other people celebrate. I'm, I'm blanking on the day. It's the day that the first Star Wars came out. Yeah, whatever. Um, it's, it's May the 4th and Revenge of the 6th. Yeah, but I look at that is where yeah, it is you know, May the 4th and all that stuff, but that's the free comic book tie-in, you know, lead-in movie. You know, that's what uh, you're going to see all the stuff, you know, in free yeah, comic if, day and all. If only Marvel had a comic publishing company, and if only that <laughs> publishing company had Star Wars comics available to them as well. I'm just, I, I just, 
that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying no, that they're no, wrong yeah. to do it. No, yeah. I'm just saying this is this is like I whipped out my dick and beat you over the head with it, and it felt just like getting hit with cap shield. Because yeah. that's what it is. Nothing as clumsy as a fucking blaster is gonna hold up against <laughs> Mjolnir. Or okay, so actually let's this is gonna tie right into our elsewhere's. Um the the big discussion point because I mean, yeah, there's nothing else to say about Black Panther other than go see the fucking movie. Go see the um, goddamn movie. Yeah. But the other bit is, the our Elsewords this week is, I'm going to, the title for this is basically, this is fuel for Corey to do a rant. So I'm going to say the headline. Yeah, I'm, I'm very gonna, easy going. <laughs> I voted moderate. <laughs> I voted Kodos. Yeah. But this is Marvel is doing a quote unquote fresh start with a line wide overhaul. Now, before Corey shares his two cents, I am going to give mine. I feel like Marvel overstepped with the whole doing the legacy numbering and that they went too far. So, like, like I- to, to, to look at DC and how, because DC could have done with on, on their comic book side, Batman back to original numbering, Superman back to original numbering. They could have done all these characters back to the comic books, back to original numbering. Instead, they did two. They did their big two. The the ones that are getting to number a thousand. Yes. Which, of course, you would. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, uh, like, because any of those big high number books, you know, that's a pretty big feat. Yet, Marvel didn't do that with Daredevil. Daredevil didn't go back to original numbering. In fact, it silently had, you know, a, a milestone, I think it was 600th issue. Same thing, same thing with the flash, you know, over on DC, you know, it, they didn't do that. Cause that's 300 issues, let alone, you know, a thousand are, is impressive, but I feel like, you know, Marvel sort of overdid it with numbering on a lot of them, you know, where, and it makes sense on some, you know, like Captain America, Spider-Man. But, um, but the, the numbering was symbolic of what they were trying to do. The yeah. whole thing of Marvel Legacy was they were trying to get back to the basics and the most recognizable versions of their characters. Mm-hmm. And what it feels more to me like is that this is still a Marvel struggling to decide what direction it's trying to go in. Are we the the Marvel that is introducing new versions of characters that are trying to make a more inclusive universe? So that we, yes, we have Hulk and Thor and Iron Man and all the other white guys you've seen since the 50s, but we also <laughs> have an Iron Heart and we have uh, Sam Wilson and we have Miles Morales and all these other things. Or are they the ones who backed off and said, well, we kind of realized that maybe Nazi Captain America was the wrong way to go, not just in this political environment, but just in general, making any hero that has been worshipped or looked up to by kids for decades suddenly into the most reviled party ever to exist in in known humanity. Well, I mean, not necessarily recorded history. We still got Huns. But um, maybe that was a bad move. It was a bold statement, Cotton, Cotton but I don't think it worked out for them. It, it, I just see it as... Oh, we're going to do this and give you all your original numbering back. And, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to bring back all your main heroes. And, oh, we're going to do... Oh, wait, that didn't work either. Marvel still is not tanking. It's not like they're a failing company. 
But when it comes to their comics, they have been struggling to feel relevant to both existing long-term fans and new fans. They don't know which way to turn, and it feels like a rudderless ship. Now, what I will say in regards to that, though, is that they just got new leadership. Mm -hmm. And so what was happening with Legacy and all that stuff was the last push from the guy who was outgoing. Probably didn't know he was outgoing at that time, but Alonzo left after all these things were announced if we're going to go back to the original Captain America numbers, we're going to go back to the original Avenger numbers and stuff. But he's gone, and the, the new guy in may say, hey, it really does make sense to relaunch with new number ones and new titles and try to do something that is kind of a mix of, yeah, here's Steve and Tony and Odinson in the Avengers, but it's not the Avengers as they originally were. It's a new version of the Avengers. It's still got some new concepts and stuff. You'll get the Avengers 1 million BC, like you mentioned. But we want to encourage new readers to be able to say this is a jumping on point. Yes. I also heard something about the new numbering is going to go side by side with the original numbering, which is something that I kind of felt like should have existed all along. Mm-hmm. When Superman in the 90s and maybe even the early 2000s was running and there were four Superman books. Uh, there was Superman, there was Man of Steel, there was Action Comics and there was something else. I don't know, Clark Kent's Day Off. What they did is each of those titles had their regular original numbering, but then on the covers underneath that, there would be a little diamond that would say the the number of that week of the year. So like number 48, number 49, even though they're going through four different titles, because those titles all like were one continuing story. So you knew which order to read them in, and you know when the next one started up, you would have a new number one or whatever. That made a certain degree of sense. If you treat comics like seasons, like you would a TV series, you get a new number one every season. But it doesn't eliminate the fact that it's actually number 62 of the whole series. So it's like Daredevil season 12. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's actually Daredevil 298, but it's the beginning of the new season. They probably wouldn't time it like that, but you get what I'm saying. Well, no, yeah, because uh, Titan Comics does something similar to that with Doctor Who. They yeah, do, and it makes yeah, sense. They've, yeah, they've got what I think they got ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth doctors, and then like year one, two, three as it goes along. Buffy um, the Vampire Slayer does it in seasons because it came from TV, yeah, uh, but it, I don't think it, it has. Yeah, it doesn't have legacy numbering because it doesn't need to. It doesn't have that long term stuff. This is a way that would please both the long term fans and the new fans, or, or potential new fans. I don't mm-hmm. have a big issue with it. My big issue is that. Is this the one that they're actually going to go fully into? Or is it going to be another three months and then second-guessing themselves and relaunch everything yet again? Because it's been too many fucking times at the trough for Marvel over the last 10 years at least. Yeah, It's just like yeah. over and over and over again. It's like, oh yeah, we here's a thousand fucking Deadpool spinoffs that nobody could have fucking possibly wanted or asked for. And I'm not saying none of them were good, but they were really unnecessary. It was just mm-hmm. such a fucking cash grab that didn't take. Nobody wanted to see it. Nobody gave a shit about it. You've broken up teams right when they were really hot. The Young Avengers team had its first couple of, of collections, and then it's like, well, let's fuck with the Young Avengers and, and break them up and team up with the un- Runaways, which also we're going to break up that team. And then we're going to put them in this other book where we're going to kill half of them. 
You know, it's yeah. just like it's just so mentally missing the point of what fans want out of their stories. And and I'm again, I'm not saying that the people who made those books didn't make good quality books. I'm saying that for the fans of those characters, it's not what they were looking for. They, I got maybe some good stuff out of this idea that I didn't like. You yeah. know, it's it's quality characterization and stuff, but really, did you need to do this? Or could you not have given me just a really solid Young Avengers title? So I, I look at this and like I'm because I'm looking at the picture, I haven't seen the video. Um, the video features, you know, the Marvel editor in chief, uh, CB Sobolski, talking about what they're what they've got planned, and the the video feature or the picture that they show features art by J- Wait, that's Jim CB Chung. Sibolsky? I'm confused. I thought he was Asian. <laughs> the person who is Asian is the one who did the art. Uh, that is uh, Jim Chung. Jim Chung, who I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, huge and fan of his art. So some of the co- some of the cool things that we see here is there are if my eyes are correct there are five newer creation characters in there and i'm including captain marvel in that because this is carol danvers and under that role not marvel people who were created you know within the past you know 10 15 years on here but the Uh, one that carol danvers has been around since i was a kid carol yes but she has she existed as carol danvers miss marvel binary as Captain Marvel, she is still new because she's only been there for about, I think, 12 years, I want to say. Yeah, not really new when you talk about it. And I think she's even been on the Avengers a few times as Captain Marvel as yeah. well. No, as as Ms. Marvel. No, I think she's been on the Avengers team as Captain Marvel. No, she has, but she's been on there more as, as Ms. Oh, maybe. And not because she was still wearing the the swimsuit with the thigh high boots and the the sash yeah the sash and all that but then the other thing that interests me is because right now with what we're getting from jason aaron uh, over on you know with the mighty thor we don't see jane foster's thor on here but with the thor we don't see him with the original the the original mjolnir we see him with a golden mjolnir and a golden arm yeah and a golden arm so that to me is big right there the, go- you know, the man with the golden arm is the the worst Bond movie ever because it's just basically <laughs> really cold hand jobs the entire time. <laughs> Other things that I'm excited to see because it seems like they've played their part. Um, you know, you got the younger Wolverine in here. Surprisingly, because I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know. We might see it change when if the Fox deal goes through. Um, you only see the thing in here you don't even see johnny storm you only see the thing on this picture and well the thing is very iconic and it's not and johnny storm's not not to the same degree uh because there are so many fire characters at this point that it it just it's my problem with the fantastic four is really that in some ways their power sets are not interesting yeah and you have to lead with what makes them special and when they came out and the the space race stuff and everything else that was that was really cool then but now it's just like if you've seen a power set mocked more than anything else in comics it's somebody who makes fire or or catches on fire and then you have the opposite if someone turns to ice but it it's so much like here's my fire guy in every superhero video game that's one of the first base power sets that you know was going to be in there 
is someone who who lights shit on fire. And and because we've got Ghost Rider in there and we got his chains blazing, it doesn't make sense to double represent in that. Yeah. Okay. Gut reaction right now, and, and I know you are not a comic book reader, but do you think this will be the? I don't want to say the final time, but do you think? Do this I think is this be... will have a long term? Yes. It's up to the creators. It is really up to the creators to go out there and and put their all into it and sell a good story and and not just do it for the hype, but do it for the character. Yeah. You know, I if I am a a Bruce Banner Hulk fan, are you going to give me an actual Bruce Banner Hulk story and something that's going to compel me to read it month after month? Because the the Hulk story has been around for so long. Yes, it's what we say that we want because we we love the original, but it's kind of like that first fucking heroin shoot up. Mm-hmm. And and as every time after that, you're just trying to chase that original buzz. It's never going to be that good again. And it's just the same thing over and over and over. So the only way to make Hulk interesting is to break him down, break him apart, put someone else in the role. But then people like, but I don't want this guy. I want Banner. So how do you the- make Banner interesting again? What they're doing with the Punisher right now in the Thanos comic is he is Ghost Rider of Space. Have you seen this? No. So the... And can you think of something so no, far yeah. away from what Punisher is than making him a space-bearing character and Ghost Rider? Yeah. No, because, I mean, God, you're making me want to read the Thanos comic because first I off, hear it's good. Yes, I've heard it's good. I've heard it's good, too. Uh, you know, because what I was going to say is they have the creators there, you know, because you've got Jason Aaron, you know, who's been with Thor's since before Thor lost his arm. You know, so he's been writing Thor for, gosh, about 10 years now. And he's going to be doing the Avengers. You got Donny Cates, who's, you know, doing Venom, who's doing Thanos, you know, and is doing this version of, of you know, Space Punisher, who's also Ghost Rider and all that. Because right now, the only Punisher book I'm reading is the Matthew Rosenthal, where he's in the War Machine armor. You know, that's the only... Which again. Yeah. Like... And, and that's the thing is Punisher. What do we do with Punisher? He's a guy with a gun who's uh, after the people who killed his family, blah, 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 blah. And it's, well, I guess we make him War Machine or I guess we make him Captain America or I guess we make him Ghost Rider. In the Marvel Knights days, they made him a ghost. They killed yeah. him and then he he haunted apparitions and stuff. And, and again, there are the fans who are like, that is not my Punisher. Frank Cancel is this and he should only ever be this. That's great, but then how many years are you going to read that character who doesn't have growth, who doesn't have change, just be the same thing over and yeah. over and over again? And, and and that's where, honestly, I to, to stick with the Punisher, I like what they've done with him so far. With the, him in this War Machine armor, because it's, it was set up as a really simple thing. A white Nick... What was, it, was it the white Nick Fury? I think, no... No, it was it was young Nick Fury. Nick Fury it was Nick Fury Junior. Goes, I want this back. You know, and it just says, I want you know from this vault. You know, when because Shield's been disbanded and all that stuff in the universe right now. And at the end of the page, we just see Frank go basically go, nope, and fly off with with in the War Machine armor. The great thing that I've seen, you know, with Becky Cloonan doing him, um, all these people. But what I've seen that's cool with all these other you know, writers doing it is it's not just he's killing for killing's sake. 
he is doing this because these people are bad sort of deal. And that's what I like more than anything else, you know, with him. Yeah, the one of the big challenges with with this stuff is that anytime you see a big throw out of like all these characters come bounding off the page and up at you and everything, it's it's a huge poster of we own great characters. <laughs> um, but it's it's a promise of you're going to be excited to read these books. And they've been failing to deliver on that for a while. And and I know that the people that are working at Marvel are capable of great storytelling. I just feel like something isn't clicking. And it's, it's yeah. maybe the event fatigue, uh, which has been constantly talked about for, for decades. But it just, it seems like there's never that break of we're not doing any more events. Uh, but DC does that too. <laughs> DC's like, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna give you this whole new rebirth thing, and it's gonna get us back to basics. But at the same time, it's all gonna hinge on this shit with the Watchmen for no fucking reason at all. It's like we can't just give you a great Superman book. It's like we have to give you a great Superman book, but behind the scenes is this bullshit that makes no sense. Yeah, uh, and Beatmaster's pointing at and Promethea. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give you this part here. I think what makes because what makes this successful is. Marvel doing a good balance. So not doing huge, massive events, but like they just did with Spider-Man and Venom, where you had Venom Inc. You know, where you had, it was just between the Venom comic and Amazing Spider-Man. Or with, you know, uh, actually with Resurrection of Jean Grey. You had that with the Jean, uh, Jean Grey story where it ended in, or started in the Jean Grey comic which had its own little thing with a bunch of the other psychics from the X-Men, then went to this and then wrapped up in Jean Grey and, and, and all that. goes right into X-Men Red. Yeah. And they're doing events still, but it's not, well, let's pull in everyone. It's more like, like little mini events. You know, like this is the Guardians and Nova. Right. Know, and And the event. Guardians is one of those things that has suffered a lot because they keep banking on it to be this high selling book and they keep reinventing it every five to six months and constantly like oh well now we're going to involve this other character with the guardians it makes no sense why is ant-man in fucking space it, it and i'm not saying it's not done well again i'm not saying that it's not fun to read i'm just saying that what marvel has right now is an opportunity and that opportunity is characters that are more recognizable now than they have ever been yeah you know, Spider-Man has always been huge for them. Mm -hmm. uh, X-Men certainly went through a big, big recognizability in the 90s. Uh, I'd argue that right now the X-Men are the the redheaded stepchild of the Marvel Universe because the movies haven't been in their control. They've always been kind of unrecognizable from the comics. And they're just frankly not very good selling points to get people over to the comic. But you talk about uh, an Iron Man or a Thor or even a Captain America, who was once a huge character, especially during the wartime, they were not as well-known as a Superman or a Batman or even a Wonder Woman. Now they are. Yeah. And to take those characters and to shelve them, to replace them with other legacy characters, feels like such a huge missed opportunity. What I like is just give us both. You're fucking putting out a billion goddamn books a month anyways. Just give us both. Give us a legacy book or legacy 
brand of series of a Captain America that's like the movies, a Iron Man that's like the movies, a Thor that's like the movies, a Guardian that's like the movies, but do it in such a way that they are equally as good a strong of storytelling as what you would get in the regular Marvel Universe. But don't mm-hmm. call it Ultimate. Don't make Ultimate and just make it all fucking weird to make it weird, Mark Miller. Do it because it distills the essence of what this character is. And that will bring along... Yeah, some people will be like, well, it doesn't count because it's its other thing. Sure. Then you don't have to read it. But look how it worked out for the Ultimate Universe. People did read it. And people found the most love in the Ultimate Spider-Man book because it was the most in tune with what a modern-day story- storytelling of Spider-Man would be. Do that with this whole group of books that are existing in this universe. They do it with the cartoons, and I think it's probably the only reason people watch the cartoons, because they're really not that good. Marvel's cartoons have not landed where DC's cartoons have been. True. But it's it's still a possibility. And then have your secondary mainstream Marvel Universe stuff where you can have all your crossovers and introduce a whole bunch of new characters and legacies and stuff like that. And if you need to be really labely, you can call it Earth 1 or Earth 2 or 616 and 989 because 7 wasn't filling enough. It just, like, whatever you need to do, but understand that the reason these characters have existed and thrived for so long is because there was something there to each of them that was important, that was instilled and and mattered. And to ignore it is at your own detriment. And it, I think that's what Marvel has lost. It's like, oh, we're just gonna, we're gonna have the X-Men fight the Avengers. Why? It doesn't have to make sense. It's just cool to have them all bashing each other all the goddamn time. It's really not that cool. It, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's fun for a minute of like, you know, it's the same thing as like, what if Superman fought the Hulk in, in, in the back of the classroom and stuff when the teacher's not looking? We all had those conversations, but it's only interesting for a second and then you know the answer and you're done. It can't be fucking 10 years of it. You know, and, 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 I, I had and this conversation on Superfight, <laughs> and your character's not being interesting anymore. Your character's not being relatable anymore. Like Cyclops is dead now, but Cyclops was a fucking dick for five years, and it made no sense for his character. You had Cyclops of all fucking people kill Professor Xavier. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it just it didn't make any sense for who these characters are. So it just destroys them to destroy them. That's not fun. So that is going to do it here for us. Um, you can leave us a voicemail by calling 805-328-3966 or emailing us mail at elsnerds.com. Because, hey, in case you didn't figure it out, we're going to wrap up the show. I forgot I should probably mention that before all that, but whatever. Uh, you know, all of our subscription options can be found over at gncasts.com slash subscribe. It's also where you can join our Facebook page. It's over at uh, facebook.com slash galacticnetcasts or at elsnerds. It's also on Twitter where you can find us is on Alex Nerds or at Galactic Netcast. Um, and you can follow our producers. Uh, Evan is at Mr. Uh, Mr. Underscore Fusion. B is at Beatmaster80. Um, you can find Sean over at S. Burns PA. I am at that Gregor. And I ask this all the time. Where can we find the wonderful workings of Levi Krauss? Man, I feel like I'm just, I've let Levi down so bad because I have not posted a new comic <laughs> since Christmas. But that's, that undersells it. You know what? There are three full issues of spells to be read. If you go to spells.donutscomics.com, or if you just go to donutscomics.com, you can see all the different comics 
that we have published on there. Uh, you can see a lion's share, but not the full story yet, of Levi's World. You can see a very long run of uh, Balyar. You can see the absolute weirdness that is spell, or not spells, uh, shock or strobe. Uh, some really wacky, fun stuff. You can even go to Levi's blog if he hasn't taken everything down again, because sometimes he gets a little antsy. Uh, <laughs> but it's a great place to go if you want to see some neat comics and see some really fun art by a person that I've loved for years and whose work I've loved for, for just as long. Uh, so don'tasscomics.com. All right, and the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or I'll poo in a box and make money off of it. Galactic Network podcast, go to gncast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.